That's what Mel would say. Let them. Let them. Let them. Let them. Let them. Let them. <laughs> Who cares? Let them. Oh, my God. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we are letting the story graph pick our reads. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey everyone, it's the start of a new month, so we wanted to take the time to invite you to join us on Patreon. Patreon is an online membership platform that gives you a way to financially support our podcast. And for $5 a month, you get access to all of our bonus content. It's bonus content, but also our Patreon group is such a wonderful, supportive community of readers. And if you've ever wanted your reading to be more of a social experience, this is a great way to find that connection. We just had two events this week, our Mood Reader Happy Hour and Discord Community Read Chat. And I feel so energized after seeing everyone. It's just such a good time. I cannot explain the magic. So for $5 a month, you get access to two bonus episodes and one recorded live event, as well as invites to our BTE Discord server and Facebook group. You also have access to everything we've created since we started, which is a ton, and you help keep our main show ad-free. Our August live event will be a book club discussion on Behold the Dreamers by Mbolo Mbue. This is a book that made it to Renee's best of 2023 so far list, so we're excited to chat. You can also expect our regular What's in the Mailbag, as well as another episode of Criminally Booked. If you are interested, head to patreon.com slash booktalk, etc., or look for the link in our show notes. Thank you for your support. Hey, Renee, how are you? Hey, I am good. How are you? I am. I'm good. I'm out of breath, but you know, that's just (laughs) going to be, I will apologize to the listeners. John will edit most of it out, but it's to the point where I... uh, It's hard to breathe, which is normal. Well, yeah, that's normal. And I think everyone is perfectly okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing you so I can see when you (laughs) pause, but I don't know that most listeners are catching, you know, that. I think you feel it more than what we hear. Okay, that's good to know. Yes. So yeah, I am doing good. I am very excited about our topic this week, which is the story graph picked our reads and it's going to be fun. Yeah, and it's a very interesting book experiment, and I can't wait to hear if it panned out for you, and I want to tell you if it panned out for me. Yes, I'm excited. This is a fun one. We have both been on StoryGraph now. I've probably been on it for almost two years, maybe, Mm -hmm. if not longer. I I actually can't remember, and this is my primary tracker. This is my most up-to-date way of tracking. Now, of course, I have 18,000 other ways that I track, but this is my primary, even more so than Goodreads. Right. This is my primary. This is it for me, really. This is where everything goes. And I do have to say that's why it's mine is private only because I'm putting my books in in real time. Yeah. And I do and and I read separately for criminally booked. So everything in order for me to track it right away so I don't forget mm-hmm. things, I, I put it in the story graph. And it just so that I can keep things as a surprise, I have made mine private, but Mm -hmm. I do have a lot to talk about with it. 
and yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be fun to talk about. I'm excited to talk about it. And we played today. They have a feature that will make recommendations for you. So that is where we got our books for today. And we'll tell you how it works. But first, mm-hmm. I will share my loving lately. Now, my loving lately is a three quarters recommendation. <laughs> and I will explain. <laughs> it's three quarters, okay? It is a TV show. And it's called Based on a True Story on Peacock. And it got on my radar because Kaylee Cuoco is the star. She played Penny from Big Bang Theory. People always say she's my celebrity doppelganger, so I've grown to love her over the years. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's pregnant in this show. So am I. Let me tune in and see what it's about. Then I saw it's about true crime and podcasting. I'm like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. So a couple starts a true crime podcast with a killer twist and find themselves way over their heads. Ava, who's played by Kaylee Cuoco, is obsessed with true crime. To the point where instead of book club, she and her friends meet to drink wine and talk about true crime. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, God, that (laughs) sounds fun. But what does it mean about me? Her husband is this former tennis star who got injured and ended his pro career. He's struggling. He kind of loses his job early in the show. And it becomes clear the two have a lot going on in their lives. Then their toilet breaks and they meet (laughs) Matt, a affable plumber with big secrets. I think why this show worked for me is because it's a satirical look at our obsession with true crime, but it's done in a funny way. Like, I was laughing at some of it. So it doesn't take itself too seriously. I will say it's not a light show. There's definitely some violence shown on the screen. So I got lured in and Lily was in the room and I'm like, okay, (laughs) never mind. Don't look at the screen. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they show, it's this odd back and forth that really worked for me. But I couldn't help but laugh at the main characters. I'm like, oh my God, why are you doing that? Don't do that. That's a terrible idea. And you do see them get in way over their heads. I also love the character of Matt. He gives big Joe Goldberg vibes. Not exactly the same, but like kind of that. You'll, You'll get it if you watch it. It's short. It's only eight episodes, which was appealing to me. But here's where my three quarter recommendation kicks in because it ends on a cliffhanger, a really good cliffhanger. However, with the writer's strike, We don't know if and when it's going to be picked back up. I'm like, I have to know how this ends. So we'll see. I still enjoyed it. And if you're looking for something that's sort of oddly light, even though it is about serial killers, this could work for you. It was based on a true story on Peacock. Oh, good one. Okay. Yeah, gosh, I forgot about the writer's strike. I hope that gets settled soon. I know. And obviously, you know, I support it. We support it. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Like what the, you know, the things that are coming out, but I'm like, oh, wow. Like these are, you know, they've already, I think I just saw they postponed the Emmys and like, Uh, we're going to start seeing the the fallout from it. Exactly. I don't think they're yet saying to like boycott streaming services and things like that, but I mean, it could come to it if things aren't figured out. But anyway, for now, watch the show. (laughs) Okay. Good one. All right. My Loving Lately you got a sneak peek of (laughs) on accident. (laughs) But today I want to bring Conscious Ink. Now, these are temporary tattoos that are wearable reminders for transformation, manifestation, and higher self-expression. They actually call themselves manifestation tattoos. And that's exactly what they are. I mean, you you just put them on with water and like in 30 seconds, you got a tattoo. So there are tons of different ones to choose from. They're sold in collections, but you can also mix and match. 
which is, I I did that. I got a collection. What did I get? I think I got the mindset collection, but then I mixed and matched with a couple other things. So whatever speaks to you. They have a health and wellness category that you can check on their um, website, Conscious Inc. When you click on health and wellness, um, it will show you what's under that. So whatever you feel like you may need to manifest or you may need a reminder of on the daily, you can get a temporary tattoo for that. There is, like I said, health and wellness, there's mindset, there's celebration, there's parenting, there's social causes, there's relationships, and there's spiritual slash nature. They're temporary tattoos. They're non-toxic. They contain no animal products and they were never tested on animals. Here's why I like it. I like tattoos. I have two others. Yes, you knew that, Tina. Did I? I forgot. (laughs) Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. And I mean, so I, no, I have (laughs) no, (laughs) you have, okay. I'm just going to ask you how you felt about tattoos. Um, No, mine's on my lower right hip bone of a butterfly. And then my other one's on my ankle and I don't like that one at all. So what I wanted was, I wanted to put something on my wrist. Now, so here's what I have. I yep. showed Tina. And this one for t- this one for today, which I absolutely need after this week, is inhale slash exhale. Mm-hmm. And can I tell you, I am not lying to you. I look at this and I'm like, okay. It, it actually truly reminds me, take a breath. Yeah. Take, take a, a pause. breath. And they don't recommend putting it on your wrist, but that's where I want it. (laughs) Why not? Because it's going to rub, because I do wear my watch. So it will rub, so it won't stay on as long because it's going to rub. But that's, this is just where I, I like it right now. I like it on my left wrist because I can see it. I look down. Um, And after, usually I, they last about three days for me, because I, I wear a watch, if you put it in other places, I'm sure it would last longer. They're saying anywhere from three to seven days, depending on, mm-hmm. you know, I prep with a little alcohol and I'm happy with three days because I'll tell you what, after three days, I need a different manifestation. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> like um, they have focus, they have an- anything and everything. I thought this was really quirky and it turns out I really, really like it. If you check the website, there is there is psychology and there is scientific evidence for this type of affirmation. Like we know, like there's plenty of science to back up this sort of reminder. And I like that. Um, so check that out if you are at all skeptical, which I tell you, I was pretty skeptical, but I'm really liking it. So this is Conscious Ink Temporary Manifestation Tattoos. I'm a fan. We got on Zoom and it must have been two, three minutes. And I go, do you have a wrist tattoo? Like I I clocked it immediately Uh because I'm like, that's new. Because all we see of each other every week is like our head right right above our chest. So I'm like, wait a minute, that's different. (laughs) But I like it. Yes, yes. Where did you hear about these from? You're going to be shocked. Where? It came up in my Instagram Instagram pushed it to me and I don't, I tell you, I sometimes it. I get real, I more often than not get really mad at the ads Instagram pushes because it interrupts your feed. Yeah. But this came up for a long time and mm-hmm. I was like, that seems weird. And then I'd scroll by, that seems weird. And I don't know, I think I actually got these in 
March and just now pulled them oh. out this summer. I was, and I was just like, you know what? I bought these for a reason. Why don't you yeah. just try? Like, try I just want to try it and see if I like it. And it just gives, it's fun. And, and I do, I love, I love seeing people's wrist. Ta- a lot of people have wrist tattoos mm-hmm. when they want to like real, they're really like personal. Mm-hmm. And they, and I was like, I love that idea, but I, you know, I don't want anything permanent. I would love to be able to change that. And I bet you I talked about this with somebody and you know how Instagram's always listening. So that's how. (laughs) I don't believe they're actually listening to your voice. I think they look at your search history and how long you're looking at ads. I don't think they're listening to I think you're, because your microphone is on. I think they're, yes, absolutely. But who's listening? Because I'll tell you why. Here's why I think this is true. I'm sorry, this is a big side tangent. John can take it out. But my friend and I were just talking about Cameron Diaz's wine. Mm. I think it's called Avalon. We were talking about it in person. Nothing was searched. And we both, and she was like, oh my gosh, I bet this is going to be on our Instagram. I'm not, the next day I pull up, open my Instagram and sure enough, there's Cameron Diaz and her wine. Cameron Diaz's "Mm." wine. I just Mm -hmm. said it near my phone. So we'll see. So let's see, see if it pops up in your, in your feed. (laughs) Now, I'm interested in her wine. I'll tell you that because she, yeah, developed or she, whatever, formulated it for like women in, in menopause who want to drink wine, but we're Ooh. having so many of, you know, effects from high sugar or what have you. So I am interested in her wine. So I'm not mad about that either from Instagram. Well, you'll have to bring it back as a loving lady. I might Buy do that if I get any. You have to order it. I know it's not in the stores, so I may do that for the pod. I'll do it for For the the pod. Do it for the pod. You know, (laughs) gosh, the sacrifices we make. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you about my latest read. Now, I will say latest read I read this weeks ago. I've been doing a really good job stockpiling books before baby comes. So I want to make sure. I don't know. I get nervous. I'm like, oh, I need to have books ready. Whatever. It's fine. (laughs) So the book I'm bringing today is Wednesdays at One by Sandra A. Miller. Okay, this book will not be for everyone, and I cannot tell you why, but I know we spoke about it a little bit at Mood Reader Happy Hour, and people, one other person said the same thing. One of your neighbors, I think, said the same Mm -hmm. thing. Like, we can't tell you why it might not work for you, but... But isn't that tempting? (laughs) But isn't that tempting, right? I will say, you have to be able to suspend your disbelief a little bit for this to work, but if you're able to do that, you'll get an emotionally resonant debut story about a psychologist who never truly got over a terrible thing that he was involved in when he was a teen. This book might sound familiar. It was one of my summer bonanza picks, and it's about Dr. Gregory Weber. He has a thriving career, a beautiful family, an elegant home in one of Boston's most desirable suburbs, but he's haunted by a secret. He made a fatal mistake when he was 17, and no one else knows about it, or so he believes, until Mira, an unscheduled patient, begins appearing in his office each Wednesday at 1 p.m. When Mira displays uncanny insight into Gregory's guilt and pain, he starts to freak out a little bit and his professional boundaries blur, and soon he becomes desperate to uncover his connection to Mira and keep his shameful past from infiltrating his current life. And in figuring all of this out, he is at risk of losing everything that matters to him, his family, his marriage, possibly his mind. I think it's important to know that this is not a thriller. I thought it was based on the premise. There's certainly a mysterious element. It's much quieter than that. It's quieter and introspective. So know that going in. Gregory is a very well-drawn-out character. He is flawed, 
makes choices that I don't necessarily agree with, but he's fully formed. He felt real. He felt like a human. And I'm also sensitive to books that include counseling sessions because I'm like, oh, God, don't let this, you know, because sometimes they're not done well. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this would never happen. And I was always waiting for my eyes to roll or for the ethical boundaries to be crossed. But I thought the author did a great job with this. She also like talks about psychology and different theoretical orientations. It was so believable. I'm like, oh, she's obviously a therapist. I Googled her. It's her husband who is a uh, psychologist. So I thought that was really cool. And she apparently consulted with him on this story. This is a story about marriage, about letting our choices define us, and about making peace with the things that we cannot change. I really thought it was lovely. He has a daughter, and there's some nice scenes between the father-daughter. And the best comp I can come up with for this is Matthew Quick's We Are the Light. They both have the psychology elements and the grief that kind of resonates So I think that's a pretty good comp. I would love to hear from anyone else who's read and enjoyed it. I know it didn't work for some people, and I understand why, but I'm curious to talk to other people who this did work for. This book was Wednesdays at One by Sandra A. Miller. Boy, I am very intrigued by this. I can't tell you. Yeah, I know. I need to figure out how I can squeeze this in because my neighbor did tell me about this too and said the same thing. Like, well, there's some... Some it's something that bothered me, but I can't tell you why. Like, well, yeah. okay, when am I going to read this? I need to read this, but um, <laughs> try it out. Squeeze and if it you in. Like it, it's a very fast read. It's very, you know, it's it's this quiet story, but I for some reason was very absorbed. And, and it's one of those. I was listening to this book. It talks a little bit about afterlife. Like one of the characters is aging, and like they're visiting them in the assisted living facility. Mm-hmm. And we're literally at this man's birthday party for like an entire, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. And I was there with them in this assisted living facility. We're having cake. He goes to the chapel. like, And I was not bored once, which I think says something. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. It sounds super boring, but I was not bored the entire time. Okay, good. All right. Very good one. This is going to sound familiar to you and a, a, a lot of our patrons who were at Mood Reader Happy Hour. This is probably my the fastest turnaround. <laughs> I could tell you, we, we're recording on Friday. We had a Mood Reader Happy Hour Wednesday night. This book is Survival Lessons by Alice Hoffman, which oh. was, yes, which was brought as a latest read by Beatrice at our Mood Reader Happy Hour. And oh boy, it was... I've never heard of this one. I could not believe it when Beatrice did a great job reviewing it, and I knew I had to read it. I grabbed it on audio yesterday, and I finished it because, just like she, Beatrice said, it's short. And spoiler alert, I love this. I grabbed it on Audible. Exe Sands narrates, and can I just tell you what a perfect narrator for this story. Exe Sands, brilliant. That was a brilliant choice. This is a very short book that packs a huge punch. Most of us know Alice Hoffman for her fiction writing. She wrote Rules of Magic and many other books. Survival Lessons is her nonfiction. She does call it at the end mostly a memoir, but also kind of not a memoir, but it's definitely nonfiction. And it provides a roadmap of how to reclaim your life from this day forward with ways of re-envisioning everything from relationships with friends and family to the way you see yourself. And as Alice Hoffman says, 
In many ways, I wrote survival lessons to remind myself of the beauty of life, something that's all too easy to overlook during the crisis of illness or loss. She did write this as a letter to herself during her treatment for breast cancer. And she goes on to say that for this book, she had forgotten that our lives are made up of equal parts of sorrow and joy, and she wanted to explore that. And also the fact that she thinks it's impossible to have one without the other. And she wrote this as a reminder to herself that despite everything that was happening to her, there were still choices she could make. Now, this is not a book only for cancer survivors It is or people dealing with cancer treatment. This is a book for everyone. And what's really amazing it's 96 pages in print. I listened to it at a at a speed of 1.7 and I finished it in 33 minutes on a walk at the park. Oh wow. And then, I mean it was so satisfying to actually start and finish a book, but not only that, I found myself smiling while I was walking, chuckling at times. And then of course at at one point I was crying. All like the wow. range of emotions she is able to bring out in such a compact story, a book, is amazing. Of course, Alice Hoffman is an amazing writer, and that writing is here. There is a range of emotions and experiences in this book. It's just, I think this is for, it really truly is a book for everyone. You can grab it. You can you can read bits and pieces. You can read the whole thing. I, I promise you, you will take something away from this book. There is an author's note at the end, and it was gold. And she does make a point of saying that she hopes and she believes this is not just a book for cancer survivors. It's for everyone. Her intention was starting it for herself, but it ended up becoming a tribute to those she has loved and lost and her family and her and just anyone who may need a reminder about the worth of their daily lives. I loved it. I immediately ordered a print copy and I just can't believe like this is why we share our books, right? I love that Beatrice shared this and I know she had said that she she wasn't even sure if she if she would. She wasn't sure what to share, but wow, this book really had an impact on me. It's Survival Lessons by Alice Hoffman. Man, that was a fast one. But yeah, that sounded really so, good when Beatrice shared it. And I am glad that you gave it a shot. It's a great, great little book. And yes, I, I'm actually going to highlight probably the whole thing once I get the print copy. <laughs> Just one big <laughs> highlight. Yes. Yep. Hey, sometimes it's like that. <laughs> All righty. Let's dive in. I want to talk to you about the story graph. This mm-hmm. is going to be so fun. If you are not familiar, listeners, the story graph is an Amazon free alternative to Goodreads. It also has a lot more features than than Goodreads, including tracking your book statistics, book recommendations, and the ability to give quarter stars, which you know I love. And StoryGraph is free, but you can sign up for a StoryGraph Plus account for $5 a month. You get even more features. For the show today, we did pay for um, a Plus version because we wanted to try out some of their recommendation feature. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's actually quite easy. You're able to download your data from Goodreads and import it into the StoryGraph if you decide that you want to make the switch. Um, I know I did that back when I first joined. And okay, onto their recommendations. They have a couple of ways that they do that. One of them, 
searches for personal recommendations based on your mood and reading preferences. Another will recommend books that it feels would work well for buddy reading or for book clubs, which I was very intrigued by. And then finally, it will give you suggestions where it looks at your to-read pile and gives you smart and personalized suggestions. I'm going to talk more about that later because it is really smart. The things that it uses to figure out what to recommend to you next based on mood. It's very pretty sophisticated if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I did I one mood reading recommendation and one from my to-read pile. Now, what about you? I would agree. It's actually really intuitive. And I will second the fact that it was really easy to import all of my books. And it separates them by year if you want it separated by year. So I love that feature. For me, I ended up... Well, first of all, I took a ton of time to make a to-read pile in there or to-read list because I didn't really have one. I wasn't really... So I I think that's key if you're going to do this. Make sure you have your to-read list up to date because I think that way it can pull from the most up-to-date books that you want to read. But I ended up deciding I didn't want their AI or whatever it is they're using to pull from my to-read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to, lo- I figured it would probably look at it, but I didn't yeah. want it to pull because I've, in my head, I was like, I already know I want to read those books. Mm. Tell me, give yeah. me something so- like brand, like i never heard of. And yeah, spoiler, that's exactly what it did. So I was really happy with that. I love that it does that. So when you're putting in your mood recommendations, you can exclude your to-be-read list or exclude books that you own if you mark them as own. Mm -hmm. So smart. Because I wanted the same thing. I I wanted one that's been... Because all of my... I have a boatload of to-be-read books on there. So I wanted to pull one from that, and then I wanted to try out the mood reader feature. I was looking for something under the radar. This one is very under the radar. Like it's there's like 67 reviews on the story graph, so I think it definitely worked. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the key to this is being patient, taking the time to really ask yourself what are you in the mood for? And obviously, like the story graph caters to mood, which is why it's perfect for yeah. us. And so if you can stop and say, okay, like, let me like really dig into what am I in the mood for? Those are the, those are the boxes, the circles you will check. And I played around with, I played around with us. I chose certain things and then I removed them and then, but then only chose one of them. And I wanted, I kept playing around to see if is there any book that like keeps returning. And it was interesting to see what it what it pushed towards me, but I ended up going with my like initial mm-hmm. like this is what I'm really in the mood for. Like, show me what you've got, and yeah, that's what I ended up going with. Oh, that's perfect. And we thought we were going to do something a little fun today. I'm excited. It is a live. We're going to pull some recommendations, so let's do it. So when you're in Storygraph, there's a tab for recommendations, kind of in the middle of the page and click explore. And again, you do need a a StoryGraph Plus account for this. It asks you, what are you in the mood for? And I'm just going to go with something a little bit different. You know what? I am in the mood for emotional. I'm in the mood for inspiring, hopeful, reflective, and sad. I don't know. Ooh, all of it. Okay. Well, you can do, yeah, you can show books with any of the selected moods or all of the selected moods. I'm going to try all and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I may have too many criteria here, 
pace can be, I don't care, slow, medium, or fast. I mean, you can choose all three or just one or two. I'm going to pick non, I'm going to pick fiction for me. And you can also include any genres, include all, like you can narrow it down Mm -hmm. by genre if you want. You can also exclude genre pages. I'm going to pick any and don't show me books in my to read pile or books that I own. So let's see what we get. So this is emotional, hopeful, inspiring, reflective, sad. (laughs) I like this. I don't know. Uh, So it's thinking. One thing I will say is I was very impressed with the number of books we got. I thought it was going to spit out one. It gave you 30, I believe. Yes, it gives you, <laughs> right, it, it gives Several. you a lot, which yeah. was great because yeah. I was pl- I was messing around to see if what would be available. You know, you yeah. can pop over to Libby, see what's available. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm looking at it. The first three I've never heard of. <laughs> I've got The Long Answer by Anna Hoagland. It's 291 pages. It's literary. I have The Secret We're Keeping by Rebecca Dunn. This one came out in 2016. It's contemporary romance thriller. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm interested. What's this one? Undertow by Janavi Barua. This one came out in 2020. The cover is of a, looks like a person that's getting caught in the undertow. This one is 256 pages and it is literary. I've never heard of, okay, I've heard of one, Saving Noah by Lucinda Berry. I've heard of... Maybe one or two others, but that's what I love about this because yes. why? Okay, when I keep scrolling, I see a couple more that I've heard of, including my freaking shelf edition. Not kidding. No way. Swear to God. My shelf edition's on here because I brought a shelf edition that gave me, I got. I was playing with Storygraph. So this is coming up again and, tell, and I actually borrowed it. So anyway, that'll be oh, my awesome. coming up soon read. Okay. It's so fun. All right. All right. Go for it. Let me see. Let me, let me play. All right. Here. I'm going to go with adventurous, mm -hmm, challenging, tense, and mysterious. Yeah. I think that's, I'm feeling like those are the ones I'm feeling that I'm open to any pace. I'm going to stick with fiction. I'm going to include any genres, any page length. And I also, don't want to be shown books in my to-read pile or books I own. So let's see. What did you get? It's actually pretty quick. I know, okay. given the number of things it goes through. Here we go. Number one, Medea's Curse. I've never heard of it by Natalie mm-hmm. King. Interesting. It looks like it's a book in translation, potentially. All right. Let's see. Number two, Alias Emma. I have heard of this one. Ava Glass. Number three... The Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins. We've all heard of that one. Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah. Let me let me see if there's anything I haven't. Wow. This gave me, this is giving us um, The Whispers, Ashley Audrain. Mm. Would you agree with that, Tina? Mm, I don't remember everything. Adventurous, Adventurous challenging, mysterious, and tense. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I don't know about adventurous. It's pretty... I mean, you know, it's a neighborhood drama, right. so I don't know that it's that adventurous, but everything else, yes. Okay. Yeah. So those are, that's fun. Oh, one of my picks today is way down the line, which is interesting because when I, I did it for, I must have included, I actually, I know I did for a fact, I included one less than this and it was the number one recommended ah. for me and that's what I, and so I went with it. So it's I funny. Think, yeah. yeah. I think it, Yeah. It knows, like, okay, listen, I'm telling you, you're going to like this based on what you put. So that is I love really it. fun. 
Anyway, if you, I'm very impressed so far with the types of books they're recommending because, again, it's not all books that I've seen everywhere. I will tell you, let me tell you about my first book. So the moods I picked for this one are dark. (laughs) You already know, listeners, what I picked. (laughs) Dark, emotional, sad, and tense. And I wanted all of those moods. And I wanted fiction. And I wanted the pace to be either medium or fast. Came up with my recommendations. And the one I went with is The Foghorn Echoes by Danny Ramadan. It definitely met all of these criteria. And it can be hard, I think, to get something that's emotional, dark, intense. Like, oh, yeah. Anyway, and it nailed it. Danny Ramadan is a Syrian-Canadian novelist, public speaker, and LGBTQ refugee activist. And this book is Own Voices, about a forbidden love between two boys in war-torn Syria and the fallout that ripples through their adult lives. That was enough for me. I said, great, let me get it. (laughs) Let me download it. (laughs) I will say, it takes place, it starts in Syria in 2003, and then one of the characters moves to Vancouver, and then they're, they're adults. So it starts when they're teens. I sometimes can struggle when the book is set just with teenage characters, so I wanted to mention that. But in 2003 in Syria, they're maybe 17 or so, a blooming romance between Hussam and Wasim takes a devastating turn when Hussam's dad catches them doing something that he disagrees with. Something happens and it messes everything up for them. Ten years later, these two are still struggling to find peace and belonging. And Hussam gets sponsored as a refugee by a controlling older man. And he is living now as openly gay in Vancouver, where he attempts to quiet his demons with sex, drugs, and alcohol. And he does. I mean, there's a lot of that in the beginning, especially. Wasim is living still in Syria on the streets of Damascus, having abandoned a wife and child in a charade he could no longer keep. He's taking shelter in a deserted villa, and he unearths the previous owner's buried secrets while reckoning with his own. They're still trying to deal with their past as the two come face-to-face with more heartache, their history, with drag queens, border guards, and ghosts, both literally and figuratively. Okay? Mm -hmm. Stick with me. (laughs) <laughs> I grabbed the audio for this. I didn't read the synopsis in that much depth. I just read the very first part, and that was fine. So I didn't know what to expect. Both narrators were amazing, and I found that the author is one of them. So I loved that. Each boy gets a different, or each man gets a different voice. I loved this story as challenging as it was, because it's in Syria. There's war. There's a lot of just, there's a lot going on. Hussam uses sex to cover his pain. So I do want to mention it gets pretty open door. I, Jonathan always jokes and says that like the door can be open and I'm looking the other way. I'm like, whatever. I just kind of like pass over it. This was, I I was like, oh, okay, we're in the door. We're in the room. So just be aware of that. Wasim's story is quieter, but as you heard in the synopsis, the author does use a ghost as a sounding board. So just hang with it. Pretend she's alive. It doesn't matter. She is a sounding board. <laughs> and, and, and I still think it's well worth the read. So many themes were explored, intersectionality, mental health in the Arab community, masculinity, sexuality, identity, citizenship, more. And I personally hardly ever notice when books do more telling than showing, but I will say you get that here Mm -hmm. because you're living with them, but they're also having a lot of memories as to what happened when they were younger and like they're, so just know that. It didn't bother me though, because I was so invested in the story of these two men 
I'm really glad this came up as a pick because I never would have found it on my own. There were only 64 reviews on Storygraph when I grabbed it. And you know, I've been asking for books with staying power, and I definitely think this one fits the bill. It was The Foghorn Echoes by Danny Ramadan. Okay. Wow. Yes. Never heard of that. So way to go, Storygraph. Okay. good. All right. My for my first book, I went with the mood reading recommendation. My criteria was mysterious, adventurous, and tense. Those three things. Um, I left it open to any pace, any genre, fiction, over nonfiction, and I chose to not have the recs pulled from my own TBR. And one of the t- I think the top, if not the first or second rec, was After the Crash by Michelle Boussy. Now, Storygraph does not know that French authors, French crime writers really work for me. Mm. So how crazy is that? I, I was able to grab the audio, and I will tell you later why I think, I, yes, the audio was great, but I, I do think a print copy would also be good with this. This one is a mystery thriller for sure. And it starts on the night of December 22nd, 1980, when a plane crashes on the Franco-Swiss border. And that plane is engulfed in flames. I mean, it pretty much blows up. 168 out of 169 passengers are killed instantly. The miraculous sole survivor is a three-month-old baby girl, which is crazy in and of itself. And then two families come forward to claim her, one rich, the other poor. And this sparks an investigation that will last for almost 20 years. Is this little girl Lise Rose or is she Emily? 18 years later, having failed to discover the truth, private detective Cradle Granduke plans to take his own life but not before placing an account of his investigation over the last 18 years in the girl's hands because she's 18 now. But as he sits at his desk about to pull the trigger, he uncovers a secret that changes everything. This, ooh, ooh, this was good. Now, the reason that also that this worked and the author covered his bases is in 1980, And shortly, you know, in the years after, DNA was not, you know, where it is now. So you you can go along with this this story. He makes it work. This is a complex story with a layered plot. When I say layers, there are so many layers. There's a lot of characters to keep straight. This is not a bad thing, which, but it is why I think if you could do a combo audio and print, that might be the way to go. There's also alternating time frames with um, the time it happened and kind of what transpired after and then 18 years later. I thought that worked great. This did require me to pay attention all the time and then some. And I still felt lost a great deal of this story. And I didn't feel lost. It It wasn't a bad feeling. It was just that I was acknowledging that I don't know what is going on. And I decided somewhere along the way to stop trying to follow all the trails, stop trying to keep track Mm. of all the things because the author is throwing a lot of plot curveballs. 
So I just decided to accept that I had no idea what was happening and I and I planned to enjoy the ride, which I did. I really enjoyed this. I felt very aware throughout the story that I I wasn't quite smart enough for this type of story. And that's okay too. I I like to play along. I don't know. Could I play along? Not really, but it was still a great story. When I finished this, and I was really happy with how it turned out, when I finished it, I thought to myself, okay, readers who love complicated, complex puzzles and plots that go every which way might really love this. It reminded me very much of a Nordic noir type of mystery, and I really love those. So I think this was a successful wreck from the Storygraph. I'm rating it 3.75 stars because the Storygraph gives quarter stars. And I do think that the audio is great because there's so many French names and places. And it was so great to hear that in my ears. But visually, I think I could have kept track of the characters if I saw their their names in print. So anyway, it turns out Michelle Boussy is one of France's most celebrated crime writers, which really goes in with my personal trend of French crime writers lately, along with international stories this summer. So there was no way for me to input that in the story graph, but man, did they deliver on this wreck. It's After the Crash by Michelle Bousset. Oh, very good. I gave the Foghorn Echoes four and a half, so I didn't utilize my quarter star reading, but in case anyone was curious. For book two, I got the recommendation in a different way. I went in my TBR pile and picked their uh, button that says suggestions. And this one goes through the books that you have marked as to read. And it basically pulls from a variety of criteria to give you one. Some of the criteria were need more of what you just read. We think you'll love this one. We picked this one out for you from your Storygraph recommendations. Enjoy. They'll give you a random pick. You uh, you own this one, and it's been on your TBR for the longest. <laughs> Why not give it a try? Listen, I'm oh. getting there. Mm-hmm. Can't stop thinking about a recent fave. We reckon this one will help. And how about ticking off a prompt for the Storygraph Reads the World? This is a great fit for you, Columbia. It literally looked at what challenges I'm involved in or signed up for in the story graph and gave me a recommendation for that. Isn't that fun? Wow. That's crazy. The list goes on. There was others. And the recommendation that I got from this was a random pick, I believe. It was Still Missing by Chevy Stevens. You read this one, right? Yes. Okay. I loved it. You loved it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was trying to remember. I thought you did. Mm -hmm. And This is about Annie O'Sullivan. She is a 32-year-old realtor, and she had three goals on the day she was abducted. She wanted to sell a house, forget about a recent argument with her mother, and be on time for her dinner with her ever-patient boyfriend. The open house is slow, but then her last visitor pulls up in a van as she's about ready to leave. And Annie's like, okay, maybe this is the guy. Maybe this is the one to buy this home. Interwoven with the story of the year Annie spent as the captive of this psychopath, because, spoiler, he was not interested in buying the home, you're in the mountain where he ends up taking her, and you're in sessions with her and her therapist. So you know she survives, and she, you know that she's struggling to place her life back together. There's also an ongoing police investigation to identify the identity of her captor. What worked for me? 
I liked the one-sided conversation with Annie's therapist, sometimes set, set sometime after she's been freed. Because again, we know she survives, but we also know she's seriously broken, obviously, and very different from the person she used to be. This book is very dark and pretty graphic, so check content warnings, but don't read it if you are a sensitive reader, because it was pretty dark, even for me. And we recently read The Quiet Tenant for the Book Talk, Etc. community read. And this is similar in some ways in that it's a kidnapping story that talks about the victim and not the perpetrator as much. This one's a lot more graphic. But if you wished that The Quiet Tenant had an epilogue, you will definitely get that from this. Because this one is basically almost all epilogue. I mean, not all, but very, very Mm -hmm. much epilogue in terms of, all right, you got captured, you got released, or something happened to where you were freed. What happens next? I love that the author explored that. I like the first part of this book way more than the latter half. It goes pretty wild by the end, and a piece of me was thinking, like, this is not going to happen in real life. This wouldn't happen. But there has been a story in the news recently that is just as wild, which gave me pause to that line of thinking because people do some messed up stuff. This was the author's debut. I, for some reason, (laughs) not on purpose, have been reading a lot of kidnapping books lately. And this was my least fave of the three that I've read, but the other two were five stars. So it's like not a fair fight. This was her debut and was also written in 2010. So I know the genre has gone, has evolved a lot since then, as I'm sure her writing has. I'm going to read her again. I've never read her before, and I know she's quite popular and has a lot. But overall, I would call this probably 3.5. I can't remember. Did I rate it in Storygraph? I gave it a Mm 3.75. So I was a little more generous. (laughs) This was Still Missing by Chevy Stevens. Yeah, I'm almost positive I read this when it came out. And I still, this is one of my go-to recommendations for people who are asking for a straight, like a thriller and they don't want, they don't mind dark yeah, but yeah. but also they want surprising and they want a thriller. I I think that fits. I all still, those. I mean, gosh, it's been many years, and I still remember the I still remember the ending of this one, which says something. Yeah, I yeah, I can and see the why. beginning. I and the mm-hmm. beginning. I thought the beginning was really like wow. I mean, it was really haunting, intense the way that happened. So mm-hmm. when I read it, it, was a five star for me. Yeah, but yeah, and like I just feel like I'm such. a different reader. I've read, I don't know, thousand, no, probably not a thousand, <laughs> but like 500 thrillers since then in the last 13 years. Mm-hmm. And like, I just, I do this too with other books. I'm like, oh, I feel like, I don't know if I've read it, if I would have read it when it came out, I think I might've liked it differently. Anyway, yeah, it doesn't well, matter. It's still a recommendation though. It's, it's still, still, yeah. It's just, it was very plot for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, all right. All right. Okay. And again, I'm juxtaposing it with books that really, really worked for me in this space. So it was Got like, it. Eh, yes. not my fave. Yeah. Okay. All right. My book two. And I actually am talking about these in the order I read them. Mm-hmm. So after the first one, I was in the mood for, I wanted fast paced and I wanted a thriller, like straight up. That's what I wanted. So on the boxes I checked were only adventurous and dark. And I only checked fast paced. And then I went into the genre and I only chose to include crime and thriller. Oh, fun. Yeah. And the number one wreck that came up was Codename Villanelle by Luke Jennings. And I said, I have never heard of this. 
And then it, I, it has a little sticker on it. And I recognize the care. I recognize the people on the cover because this is the book that inspired the Netflix show Killing Eve. <gasps> and I, I watched, I don't even know if, I think I watched season one. I don't, I couldn't tell you anything about that show though. I, I, had, I have no memory. I, I know what it was about, but I don't remember anything plot-wise, but I, that's how I recognized the cover. So anyway, I was really curious to see what was behind the show inspiration. And in this book, you have Villanelle, which is a code name, and she is one of the world's most skilled assassins. And we get a really interesting look at how did she become that? What happened to lead her to not only becoming Villanelle, but what, like, how was she found and trained to be an assassin? She is a cat-like psychopath whose love for the creature comforts of her luxurious lifestyle is second only to her love of the game. She specializes in murdering the world's richest and most powerful. Now, these are usually, almost always, that I, uh, bad guys. These are bad people. But she's also being hired by bad people. So she's in it for herself, really, truly. She likes the money. She likes the, the hunt. She likes tr- proving that she is smarter. So this has a, this book has a great element of spycraft because she is smart. But when she murders an influential Russian politician, she draws a relentless foe on her tail. And that foe is Eve. Now, Eve is not a code name. And Eve is a former MI6 operative hired by the National Security Services for one reason. Her task is to find and capture or kill the assassin responsible for that assassination of the Russian politician and anyone who may have aided her. So they kind of know they're looking for a woman. And Eve is married and she she lives a quiet life, but now she's thrown into this mission. And oh, also in the book, I think they even ask her, do you accept this mission? Which gave me Mission Impossible vibes because I just saw that movie. This book was really good. So what ends up following is a, a chase between these two and who's on, like, who can elude who and there is an intersection with corporate government, corrupt governments, powerful criminal organizations, and everything leads to a final confrontation. So who comes out on top? Well, interesting. I was so excited about this. I didn't pay attention to the fact that this is book one in a trilogy. I really wish I would have known that. I feel like I, I probably would have still read it I got the audio. The audio is great. The narrator is entertaining. She brought both of these characters to life. My issue is, it's a trilogy, okay? I wish I would have went in with the expectation of maybe all of my answers were not going to get explained because when I got to the end, all my answers weren't explained. And I was like, no, what? And then I went back and I was like, oh my gosh, there's two more books. I didn't know that. So if you like a series, if you're interested in a trilogy, pick this up. I do think I am going to grab book two. I just don't know when I'm going to read it. 
But this is fun. This is exactly what I was in the mood for. It's fast-paced. It's international. It it has characters that are smart, but also bad. Um, It was perfect. Perfect for my mood. I'm giving this a solid 4 to 4.25 rating. This is Codename Villanelle by Luke Jennings. Wow. I loved that show, but you're reminding me. I literally only watched... I don't know. First, I love that. I'm like, I love that show. I saw three episodes, <laughs> but I really like Sandra Oh. I love that actress. Mm-hmm. So I'm being reminded, I think whatever platform it was on, I had a free trial. And I so I think it's on Netflix. I think. I think you're right. Because yeah. it was a, this was when it first came mm-hmm. out and I'd like lost track of it. So, but yeah, Storygraph, um, I think was spot on. So I am giving that a big thumbs up. Mm, all right. Well, My Shelf Edition is a book that I got as a recommendation from Storygraph today when I was playing around. It's called Shelter by Jung Yoon, and it's about Kyung Cho. He is a young father burdened by a house he can't afford. And for years, he and his wife, Jillian, have lived beyond their means, but now their debts and bad decisions are catching up with them. And Kyung is anxious for his family's future. A few miles away, his parents, Jin and May, live in the town's most exclusive neighborhood. Surrounded by the material comforts that Kyung desires for his wife and son, he can hardly bear to see them now, much less ask them for their help. Yet when an act of violence leaves Jin and May unable to live on their own, the dynamic suddenly changes. And for the first time in many years, the Cho's find themselves living under the same roof. Tensions quickly mount as Kyung's proximity to his parents forces old feelings of guilt and anger to the surface, along with a terrible and persistent question, how can he ever be a good husband, father, and son when he never knew affection as a child? Uh, Sounds really good. I don't know what it is, this sort of, uh, I I already feel bad for this guy, so I'm curious (laughs) if he's going to be a sympathetic character if I start reading. I did grab the audio from my library, No Waiting, and this book was Shelter by Jung Yoon. Okay. All right. My shelf edition is The Golden Gate by Amy Chua. Comes out September 19th. This is a debut novel and it is a historical thriller. And it's set in Berkeley, California in 1944. And we have homicide detective Al Sullivan. And he has just left the swanky Claremont Hotel after a drink in the bar when a presidential candidate is assassinated in one of the rooms upstairs. That presidential candidate was a rich industrialist with enemies among many people, including Walter Wilkinson, with enemies among many people. And they conclude that Walter Wilkinson may have been targeted by any number of groups. But strangely, Al's investigation brings up the specter of another tragedy at the Claremont 10 years earlier, and that was the death of seven-year-old Iris Stafford. She was a member of the Bainbridge family, one of the wealthiest in all of San Francisco, and some say that she haunts the Claremont still. So with many threads circling within the case, Sullivan keeps coming back to the three remaining Bainbridge heiresses who are now adults. There is Iris's sister, Isabella, and her cousins, Cassie and Nicole. He is determined not to let anything distract him from the truth, not the powerful influence of Bainbridge's grandmother or the political aspirations of Berkeley's district attorney 
or the interest of China's first lady in his findings. He is going to investigate and he is going to investigate until its devastating conclusion. All right, this debut is billed as sweeping, evocative, and compelling. And that was The Golden Gate by Amy Chua. All right. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you'd like access to our exclusive bonus content and community, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. If you'd like to connect with us, email us at booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Instagram at booktalketc, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Hey everyone, it is the start of a new month, so we wanted Hi Love Bug. Thank you. <laughs> Special delivery. Thanks so much. Are you still eating your your biscuits? Chew. Goodbye. Love you. Thank you. And a special delivery from Aww. the one. God, it's great when they can run errands for you. Uh, Go downstairs. Oh, Give yes. this to mommy. Okay. Mm-hmm.